You're listening to Wickham Sound online, on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM. Welcome to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderers show with myself, Colin. And myself, Bob. <laughs> that was the unrehearsed bit. That was fantastic. Imagine if we'd have planned that. Uh, normally on the show, we'd look back at the, uh, the game or games that have happened between now and uh, the previous programme. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but there haven't been any. But luckily, we've got the exciting fact of a game against Tottenham Hotspur to come. Yes, yeah, so plenty of build-up required for that. And, and I'll get the, the necessary build-up that it requires. We'll be catching up with the Chief Financial Officer, Pete Kuig, who will be talking a little about the uh, coronavirus outbreak at the club and a lot about the fourth-round FA Cup tie, which is approaching on Monday. And we will be hearing from Gary Thompson, who, of course, scored in uh, the 4-3 defeat to Spurs in uh, the fourth round a few years ago. 2017 that was. I was trying to work out whether that felt like quite a long time or not, or comparatively recently, because a number of the, obviously the players are still there, like, um, you know, the Beast, he's still there. Yes, that's true. Joe Jacobson, still, still there. there. Blooms, well, you know, Blooms, Blooms will be there forever. <laughs> he's, been, he's been there. He was there when our, our, our other guest as well, uh, Kevin Betsy, who played, uh, four, did you know, 14 years ago on Saturday, I looked it up, was the second leg against Chelsea in the League Cup semi-final when they lost 4-0, but they, they held them 1-1 in the first leg. Yeah, you know, and again, that, that doesn't actually seem that long ago, even though I know that it was. It's funny, isn't it, when you, when you look at sort of time like that and, and you see someone who perhaps is, you know, 14 or 15, and you think, wow, you, you, were, <laughs> you, you were just born then. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's so true. And if you're a young fan, you're probably listening, thinking, oh, we played Chelsea in the League Cup semi-final, really, did we? God, what a night that was. Indeed. I mean, and that was the last time that Jose was at Adams Park. I think it was around that time as well that um, goalkeeper Frank Talia had a, had a freak lawnmower-related injury and couldn't play. <laughs> he ran over his foot with the lawnmower and couldn't play. Oh, dear. Yeah. You, you can imagine, you know, that, I mean, that, that would be slightly embarrassing in any line of work than having to <laughs> ring up sort of like the following morning to say, hello, sorry, I, I've injured myself in a lawnmowing accident. <laughs> okay. But actually, if you're a footballer, that must have been really awkward. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not the sort of injury you tend to pick up in a, in a footballing career, you'd imagine. <laughs> no, but there have been some interesting ones in the past, haven't there? Absolutely. Uh, I, I think I can't remember who it was now, but didn't a goalkeeper injure themselves picking up a remote control once? I think so, yes, that does sound familiar. Yes. It's a lesson yeah. to us all there. Yeah, well, in, indeed, yes, yes. Take care around your lawnmowers and your remote controls. They're dangerous things. <laughs> so when we were last on, I don't think the, the coronavirus outbreak had actually happened, had it? Or had it? Uh, no, but we were... It, it, I mean, last week's show was also positive because, obviously, we'd had the win against Preston, which was absolutely wonderful, probably our best uh, performance of the season. Um, and then, of course, we had QPR coming up um, on the Saturday. Um, and, you know, and everything seemed really positive. And you thought, well, yeah, this is definitely a game that we, you know, we need to win. Um, but you couldn't have had a better build-up than a 4-1 thrashing, really, of, of Preston North End. And then early on Friday, we got the news that actually, no, that there had been a, a positive COVID test returned uh, and the game was postponed. And of course, the Sheffield Wednesday game that was meant to happen on Tuesday, well, that was already postponed anyway because of a COVID outbreak um, at Hillsborough. Uh, and so, yeah, so, so there hasn't been a game since the Preston game. So the QPR game will now take place in March, is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Um, you're going to ask me exactly when, and my mind's going to now fail me. Um, but it is, yes, it's, it's early March, I do believe. Um, the ninth rings a bell. Uh, yes, hang on, I'm just having a This is the excellent sorry. preparation that goes into it, this. Indeed, huh? absolutely, yeah, yeah. This will definitely go on the uh, award-winning tape. Um, so it was played <laughs> um, on Tuesday the 9th of March at 7pm. <laughs> 7? Oh, that's an unusual time, I know, it? yes, yeah. So, you know, I mean, we, we, we are getting quite odd 
kickoff times at the moment, aren't we? Because of COVID, where clearly teams sort of think, oh, well, yeah, we'll, we'll play at seven because it doesn't really matter. We don't have to worry about people coming back from work and things like that. But you normally get it, don't you, with, with like sort of long trips and whatever, not just like down the A40. Oh, yeah, we'll play at seven o'clock. No, it's very strange. So Gareth can have a few sort of, you know, a few reminisces at Loftus Road before he comes home. Yeah, that's, that's probably why they've done it that way. Yeah. Especially for Gareth, he said, "Oh, can we have it at seven o'clock so I can just have a look around the stadium and, and remember when you know when the the fans here chanted my name?" Because I guess as well, especially I'm sure it's due to the times that we're in, but it doesn't seem very long ago, as you've kind of highlighted, since the third round, and now now we're anticipating the fourth round already. Yes, that that is true as well, and I'm not sure whether that's just a sort of quirk of the calendar. I think there's there's normally two weekends between the third and the fourth round, um, but obviously you know they they are sort of struggling to to squeeze everything in this season, um, and then of course the fifth round is is now played on a midweek evening as well, uh, which which the traditionalist in me doesn't like, but particularly this season you think well yeah okay I can understand why, and the fact that there are no replays as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually, I don't mind that. I always think it's quite interesting going into a tie when you know that it's going to be decided on the night. I, I don't really like the current FA Cup, or, or, or certainly what was until you know last season, where well, yeah, you have one replay and then that goes to penalties. I, I, I think, I think that's the worst of all worlds. I think it used to be really interesting. Sorry to now sound really old, but way back in the day where we had unlimited replays, because that was exciting. Where, where you could have you know two, three replays. Um, and particularly if you if you did draw the replay and then you had that exciting moment after the game where then there was a coin toss to decide who was going to be home for the second replay. Uh, and I can, you know, very much remember as a, a kid being really excited and really hoping that, yes, you know, that your team got the, the home tie in the second replay so that you could go to another game. And quite a coincidence, obviously, being drawn against Tottenham at the side that, um, that we met in the same stage of the competition, as I say, in 2017. Yeah, and it's amazing how that doesn't actually seem that long ago. And also just how fresh all of those memories are. Uh, you know, you can still see the, or just feel the elation when Paul Hayes put us 2-0 up. Uh, and then obviously Tottenham got, got it back to 2 all, and you slightly thought, oh, well, you know, that, that, that's our chance gone. It's been a great day out. And then the fact that Gary Thompson popped up and, and put us 3-2 ahead. And to be honest, that, that was the point where I really started dreaming and really thought, goodness me, we're going to do this. And, you know, obviously it didn't happen like that but as i say those memories are so fresh and so vivid did you say gary thompson i did actually say gary thompson indeed um and i'm delighted to say that we can hear from him now um matt cecil was speaking to gary thompson about some of the previous fa cup games that he'd appeared in for wickham wanderers can you believe it's five years ago that aston villa game it's blown by Do you know it? what yeah and it, it, and again it just feels like yesterday um I've been quite fortunate um, to have played in some in some uh, entertaining games and enjoyable games, uh, but yeah, looking back at that, I just you know the, it just it just feels like yesterday. Um, such a good day, such a great atmosphere at the ground. Um, yeah, and I, I think we were a little bit unfortunate not to win the game. Uh, all being all being told, you know, we had the momentum. Uh, they were under, they were struggling a little bit in the league, so. We definitely thought we had cause to to cause some problems and stuff like that, and I think we're a little bit unfortunate to to lose the tie overall. But yeah, very enjoyable day. Do you remember the, the week before that we played Morecambe at home? Uh, I think we'd been on a good run before that. We'd beaten Luton just after Christmas, and then that Morecambe game, we're two 0 down. Things you think couldn't get worse, and then Matt Ingram gets sent off right at the end, and of course it gave Alex Lynch the, the chance to step up for another big moment in this Villa game. 
Yeah, um, and it's unfortunate now that Lynch is not actually still playing. Um, but yeah, I think he, I think he stepped in for the at, the, at Wembley as well, hadn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So it was a, it was a man for the big occasion. Was was Mr. Lynch? Um, yeah, but like I say, we, we were we were kind of obviously you, when you when you go into these games, um, you, you need certain things to go your way. Obviously, losing your first choice keeper, although Lynchy was a was a, a very apt replacement. Um, not at any point did we did any of the lads go. You know, we, we need him to kind of. There's, there's, a, there's. A, Matty was very, very good keeper. Um, he made some unbelievable saves. He was a, he was a massive presence in, the, in the team. In, the, you know, he's a quiet lad, but he, his presence on the pitch was there for all to see. And, and uh, all credit to Lynchy because I thought he did very, very, very well. Like I say, I think on, on the day, I think we were just unfortunate. Them, them kind of games, uh, FA Cup, throw up all kind of, uh, all kinds of things. You know, if. When the big boys come to you, you know they can they can either steamroll you or they make you make it an entertaining game. And I think we've, we've thoroughly played our part in that in that game, hundred yeah. percent. I think it, from memory, it kind of felt like a win. I remember the celebrations at the end were so great. There was a wonderful photo of Luke Nine on your back, uh, fist you know fists up to the crowd because we were a League Two side. Aston Villa, yes, you, you know as you said, were struggling um, in the Premier League. Looking back, I suppose that was our one big chance, wasn't it, that day? Because the replay you always felt was going to be tougher. Um, but we held our own well, didn't we, for, for most of that game up at Villa Park? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We didn't discredit ourselves in, in any way, shape or form. And, um, you know, you can kind of use them games to build your own momentum in your own season. We, we fought and, and we need them little things to go our way. I mean, um, they didn't... <laughs> They didn't cause us that many problems, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, we were thoroughly in the game, and you know, obviously JJ scored the penalty, and, and I think we had a couple of looking back, just looking from memory, uh, and them chances we had a we had a few things, you know, where you try and get the first touch on on instances from corners and things like that. Um, you know, I think I've probably won just wide of the post. Aaron Pierre's met one with a great header, and and I, and I think we were thoroughly in the game, and and I think if we were going to win the game, it was definitely going to be at home. Um, you go to their ground, Villa Park, massive ground, and and they move the ball really well. And I remember playing up front, and I, and I was thinking to myself, I, I didn't really feel like I had a I had a touch of the ball. Although I nearly put us in the lead, I managed to get my head on on something that I didn't expect to get on. It was one of the ones where you kind of jump, and the keeper's missed it. And it's just kind of hit me on the on, on the on the head and, and gone over the bar, unfortunately. Though. So I think if we were going to get anything any, any kind of look like that, we needed that one to go in. If anything else. Now, some players go a whole career without really enjoying much of a cup run. Uh, you made it to the League Cup final with Bradford. Obviously, you scored against Arsenal that year. We had the, the Villa adventure, and you probably thought that was your last one. Uh, a year later, we get to the third round. Get drawn at home to Stourbridge, I think, with the lowest ranked side in the competition. Um, yeah. But to win that, and, and do you remember the scenes up at Blackpool in the hotel when the draw came out? Tottenham versus. Uh, do you Wittgen? know what? Funnily, funnily enough, I do, and and um, I, I was showing my girlfriend before the, the videos of the lads celebrating, but it came up on my Facebook, and it was it was uh, like a time hop, and obviously I posted it um, when we got the news, and yeah, it, it was great scenes. When you're a small club in the FA Cup, you want to get the big ties, you want to get the glamorous ties. Obviously, you want to get the the um, you want to get it at home. Um, so you, if, you know to try and stand any kind of chance, um, but yeah, I mean when the draw came out, we all just went nuts for a little for a little bit, and, and then they all, it all calmed down, and everyone was on the phones messaging. Them, obviously, knew who we've got you know, and then everyone's just kind of building for that for that game. Then really, it was such a such a mental game. Still annoyed that I didn't start the game. I'm not going to lie, but um, it, it's um, 
yeah, one that I look back on now and every time my, my friends are sick of it. Every time the FA Cup comes round and I get posted in something or I, I get tweeted in something, I always repost it, and they're all sick to death of. Cause I always I, I like to I like to remind them that um, that especially our kids as well at the academy at my academy. I like I like to jib them and, and tell them that I'm not just a coach. I did actually used to play a little bit of football as well. So it's always nice to repost them kind of things for for their sake, so they can see, you know, what I did in my in my career. Because it was it was very nearly the last FA Cup goal ever scored at White Hart Lane, wasn't it? It was their last season. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think they went on and smashed Millwall six 0 at home in the next round. And I bet you can remember the goal as vividly as I can because they'd lost the right back, hadn't they? I think Trippier had gone off injured. Eric yeah, Dyer Trippier had gone off. I think I think I, I, I think. Westy had caught him in the back, or someone had caught him in the back. So they'd gone down to ten men, and 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 you know, for from being honest, we were like, I, I, I certainly was. You know, you take a two-two and take him back to, to Adams Park and, and and see what happens there. And all all I was thinking about in the build-up to the game was Westy's done unbelievably well. And, and when you look at it back, there's Sam Saunders breaking his neck trying to get in the box. Luke or Nine's in there. Woody's just in in and around there as well. And and there was that feel of. If we could just get something, you never, never know. And we were kind of that team that we would never really kind of sit in and, you know, want a draw. You know, I think that was kind of shown by the substitutes that the gaffer made on the day. It was never never one of, oh, let's consolidate and let's, you know, sit in and let's try and take something back. We wanted to win the game. And um, especially when they go down to 10 men, uh, Wesley's done unbelievably well. And all, all I was thinking was, if he, gets a, if he gets a cross in the box, I just wanted to try and get on the end of it. And he, and yeah, it was just one of them surreal moments that he's managed to put it on the money for me. And uh, yeah, I've managed to manage to because I was never the kind of greatest in the air. I was I was a presence because of my size, obviously. But I was I would never call myself a, a you know I was never technically very good with my head. And it was just one of them ones that it's just everything just came off the sweet spot. I think for the rest of the game was a bit of a blur. Although we, we went on to lose the game, I was just like, oh my god, what have you what have you what have you kind of done here? Mm. That was one of them moments where you're just like, wow. And again, fortunate enough to, to have a say in or have play some part in what was a, an unbelievable game at, at Wyatt Lane. I know you left the club that summer, but you will have kept a close eye on the club's progress. And, and how did you feel that night back in July when you watched Wickham Wanderers make it to the Championship with that win at Wembley? Oh, unbelievable. Unbelievable. I've always shown a massive interest in, 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 my old, in the clubs that I used to play for, none more so than Wickham. It was a great two years in, in, in my life. Uh, met some really good friends, you know. I'm still in contact with, you know, Sam Wood and and Sam Saunders and JJ and Blooms, uh, Hazy obviously at the time, and I just love it. I love to see success. I'd love to still be a part of it in that sense. You know what I mean? There's a little little bit of jealousy only because I wasn't around to to join in the celebrations, but still in contact with Bayo and and and, and all them guys. And it was just a ma- it was just magical. Is all I can kind of say really. Thoroughly deserved. Uh, they had a great season, and obviously they were in and around it for a lot of the season. And you know, obviously with, with everything that happened, getting into the playoffs the way they did, I thought they were outstanding in the in the in the two legs over against Fleetwood, and then the final. Yeah, I was disappointed with the when they equalised. I must admit, it was obviously one of them ones that's kind of cross that's gone in, hasn't it? And um, but yeah, I had I had more faith in JJ when he stepped up for the penalty. Mister Cool, isn't he? You don't get any more anyone more cooler in, in them situations and. Yeah, I was straight on the phone congratulating them. I messaged Dobbo and I messaged the gaffer as well to say well done. And you kind of wish to kind of play for people like that because they're, they're so like you, you run for a brick wall for them. You know, they're they're so down to earth and 
I absolutely love my time playing playing under them, and I learned a lot from them. Uh, not so much, not just the football side of it, the mental side of it, and and I learned a lot from from how they work and and how they are as people. And um, I think that stood me in good stead moving forward from from uh, from when I left. I think that's something that really stands out um, from obviously from Gary just hearing him say that. But other players that have worked with with Dobbo and, and with Gareth as well, how they, they're not just focused on your game, but they're working on sort of bringing you on as a player and indeed a person. Yeah, and that, that, that always comes across, doesn't it? Whenever you hear players talk about their experience at Wickham Wanderers, it's always so positive. Um, and you can imagine that actually somebody like um, Gary w- would then go and tell other players, you know, well, yeah, if you get the chance to go to Wickham, then go, because it's a fantastic place. Um, you know, I, I think it's really, really nice to hear. And again, we've talked about it previously, but it just shows why actually we are so good at getting former players to come back uh, two Wiccan Wanderers. I've also heard a lot of other players say that they'd be prepared to run through a brick wall for them. Which, yes, which is yeah, quite, yeah, yeah. Apart from anything else, is it's quite yes. hazardous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. But uh, again, it was those couple of, of comments that completely stuck out in that interview mm. for me. It's just like, yeah, you know, you hear this time and again, um, and it just shows how lucky we are, I think, to have the management team that we do. Still to come on the Wickham Wanderers show as we build up to the FA Cup fourth round uh, romance of the cup, the uh, the magic of the cup. There's one other, isn't there? There's Cup Romance, Romance the Cup, Magic Cup, and something else. Oh, Fever, FA Cup Fever. Oh, yes, FA Cup Fever. Might catch that. Yeah. Uh, we'll be speaking to former uh, midfielder Kevin Betsy in a few moments' time, and we'll hear from Pete Kewick as well. Love music, love talk, love Wickham Sound. Welcome back to the second part of the Wickham Wanderers show, and uh, as mentioned, we're building up to the FA Cup fourth-round tie against Tottenham, and whenever I think any cup competition, it really really sort of sets your mind thinking to other cup competitions as well. Obviously, we've already talked about when, when Wickham last played Spurs in, in the fourth round, but also League Cup as well is, is something that, that Wickham have done pretty well in, uh, well, certainly of late. Indeed, yes, and, and the Chelsea semi-final run, of course, lives long, long in the memory. I definitely remember, well, I went to Stamford Bridge for the for the, um, the game. I was very high up, I recall. Uh, but also, um, I especially remember the home game where it was, it was 1-1 and uh, Kevin Betsy was uh, among the players to uh, feature in that and uh, it was great to have the opportunity to speak to him a little earlier on. Uh, we spoke to him this morning uh, whilst he was taking a break from homeschooling. I feel a little bit sorry for the, for the teachers, you know. They're, they're working extremely hard in, in, you know, really difficult times and, you know, they're trying to j- juggle their own lives as well as look after you know thousands of children across across their area so it's a very difficult time for them and obviously we're just trying to help the 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 education of our own children while they're with us having a dad who's a who's a former professional footballer PE must be especially especially exciting time for the for the youngsters in the Betsy household I imagine (laughs) yeah I mean um Joe, Joe Wicks helped um enormously in the initial stages of lockdown um but you know, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit greyer these days, and my, my my body doesn't move as well as it did uh, back in the day. So, yeah, I do I do try and help um, as much as I can, and my, my wife's quite active um, um, with the children. But yeah, you know, the, the only memories that they have of um, their father playing football is uh, um, you know perhaps um, their grandparents showing them stuff. And we don't have a lot of memorabilia in the house, so that's um, but yeah. It's all good. How is your maths? Because I imagine, especially for myself, if I, if I was to do some homeschooling, that would be a particular subject which I'd struggle with. You know, that the kids would be saying, "Can you help with this?" and I just look confused. Yeah, uh, likewise. Um, I, I, I put my eyes to my wife where the maths and science questions are concerned, and um, yeah, um, academically I did okay at school, but maths wasn't one of my best subjects. So I preferred sort of like geography and 
um, English and, and things like that. But yeah, I do look to my wife to help with that. So yeah, just pass on the buck. It's very good to have that option, isn't it? If you, you, it's like being in a quiz team. If, if, you've got, if your wife's got specialist subjects, you can, you can hand over to her. No, of course. Yeah, I think it's the key thing. It's uh, delegation, isn't it? And what, what your best attributes are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, so it must, it's very fortuitous that we can, we can speak to you because obviously the, uh, Wickham have got their, their fourth round FA Cup tie against Tottenham coming up on Monday. And as we touched on, it was 14 years ago on the, on the 23rd of January. I've looked it up and everything. That, that, that you played against Chelsea in, the, in those two legs. There must have been a fantastic, obviously, occasion to, to reflect back on. Yeah, it certainly is. You know, um, the club have done extremely well in, in recent times under Gareth Stewardship. And, um, you know, they have a, a, a really good team, a really good togetherness. And, um, you know, this tie against Spurs and, and funny enough against, I think we played against Jose's team. So it's, it's quite, it's quite, um, you know, it's the time where, you know, Jose's coming back to Adams Park and, I think they, you know, Wickham have got a fantastic chance to to cause a shock. You know, I, I was really fortunate enough to be at the game recently in the last round against Preston because I was scouting for for England. So Wickham played very well. They had a really good um, intentions in the game and really took the game to Preston. And um, you know, was, the scoreline didn't didn't um, flatter Wickham at all. So yeah, uh, Tottenham would be very very mindful of um, the dangers that Wickham will pose on the game. You must remember from your own time as well the feeling of progression as you go through the rounds because I think you had Chelton, didn't you, before the semi-final and then uh, Doncaster before that as well. It must be a real real nice sense of, of making progress and then reaching the semi-finals as you did. Yeah, you know, that was a really special time for the club and, um, you know, the early rounds were, were difficult. You know, you think we played Notts County away in, in the early rounds of the game and then we had, we had Chelton at the Valley and the Premier League touch side and no one expects us to go there and win and we, we did just that and um, we thought, you know, that chart would probably be our best performance away. And then, you know, we just carried on the run and, and you know, the Chelsea game was, was phenomenal. You know, Adam's part was, was full um, to the rafters, the noise and, and um, you know, the, the support that the fans gave us and the energy on the day. It was live on TV. I think it was BB, uh, ITV, actually, the game was on. So th- those days, there wasn't as many channels as there are these days. So the, the main focus at that time, if you're a football fan, was probably that game. And, um, you know, we, we had a good account of ourselves. I think it was 1-1 the game. And, you know, Jermaine scored a great goal. And um, we did, we couldn't really um, repeat the performance away at the bridge. But um, some really good good memories, without a doubt. Fantastic to come up against top flight players as well. Obviously, you played for Fulham before that, but it, it would have been must have been fantastic for the rest of the teams to come up against the, the likes of you know Shevchenko and, uh, and Balak and people like that. Yeah, definitely. You know, not you know for a, for a professional footballer, you want to play at the highest level, and um, you know all the players that are in the squad. You know, we wanted to test ourselves against some fantastic opposition. I remember, um, I think in the in the Charlton game, I was against um, Jimmy Traore. He was he was left back. And he'd won the Champions League, I think, a year or two before with Liverpool. So that was an example of like, okay, you're playing against a top player. And then we, when we played Chelsea, I was up against Ashley Cole, who's, you know, for me, one of the world's best um, fullbacks. Um, and then obviously in the other players were up against, you know, world-class players in Lampard, Balak, etc. So it was a really good... Um, Good time for the for the players in the squad to sort of like know what it feels like to, to play in against those Premier League players and try and give them the aspiration of you know if you if you can continue to do well in you know League League Two level or League One level then you know perhaps you could play um, um, regular football and uh, in the Premier League and so many of the players from that squad have, have gone on to do that. It must have felt as well like you had such a great team at that time. Obviously, you know the likes of yourself and Matt Bloomfield is obviously still there today and and Tommy Mooney and, and Sergio Torres. It was just a great kind of group of players. 
yeah, it's a special time. As I said, you know, we had, we had a fantastic um, group of people for a start, you know, and we're all very different um, and we all had different um, motivations and different um, goals that we were trying to achieve. Um, but the common goal was to be successful with Wickham. And, you know, when, when we did get on the grass, you know, we, we played some fantastic football. This wasn't a team that was um, played in a sort of like a, a negative style or um, defensively. You know, we were probably born from the John Gorman idea of the game initially the year before and then carrying on that on with um, with Paul Lambert who made some, some few tweaks along the way. And, um, you know, one of those things was around um, trying to have a possession-based game and... And when we played against the, the higher level teams, all the players that the, 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 the club have accumulated were, were technically very good. So we were able to handle the ball in tight spaces. We were able to play um, a different style of football when it was required. So, you know, it was, it was a fantastic time and really good people. And um, I'm really, really fortunate to be involved in such a fantastic football club and, and working with some fantastic players and staff. You must have been pleased as well with your own uh, goal tally as well, chipping in with quite a few as, as a midfielder as well, especially. Yeah, you know, I was very fortunate, you know, um, at Wickham. Um, I remember the day when um, I was going to sign John Gorman and Steve Brown, um, who had been pursuing my services for about six months. They showed me on a tactic board, like, hey, well, this is the this is the players we've got in the in the, in the team. This is where we're going to play you. And and he 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 put me sort of like a, it was a it was a back four, and there was three midfield players. They had um, obviously Rob Lee at the time was there. We, they just bought Stefan Oakes. And they had, um, I think, um, Matt Bloomfield or, or Joe Burnell was in that squad at that time. And then obviously they had Nathan Tyson and Tommy Mooney. And then he put he picked me up and I was just like one of these little magnet things. And right, so Kevin, you, you're just going to play either on the left or on the right, but don't worry about defending too much. You know, just play any side you want where you see the space. So for an attacking player, if you, you, you have a manager that's going to give you the freedom and... Um, the, the allowances to, to neglect the defensive side sometimes, which I wasn't fantastic at, and, and you know, I'll hardly admit that. But what that did do is, was help us to have an attack that was able to sustain attacks and also create a lot of chances. And, um, and, and I had to chip in with my goals. There was a responsibility, you know, if I didn't create or score one or two games, then I wouldn't be in the team. And that, that's, the, that's the accountability that, that I, I was, was on my shoulders. Every week I knew if I wasn't performing, I weren't playing. And, um, you know, I had a really good relationship with um, Stefan Oakes, who was uh, one of the midfield players, and also um, Danny Sender, who played right back. Um, so, you know, we performed a really good partnership on that side. And then when you've got front men in Tyson and Mooney um, in the early days and then later on in, in Jermaine Easter, then it was um, it was always great to, to knowing that they would put the ball in the back of the net. It must have been great to have had that role as well. I don't mean of a magnet, but of, a, of that too. But of, <laughs> yeah. to have that kind of freedom as well, as you say, to, to, must have really suited your game. No, it did. You know, um, I was an attacking player. My defensive responsibilities were were not as, as great as they should have been. And John was, was fully aware of my deficiencies. But he, he, he looked at my strengths and said, OK, what can I get out of this of this kid? What can he bring to the to the to the team? And that's a, a fantastic quality in in a manager. And um, you know, it's I was able to do well, and the, the team was able to do well. Most importantly, and it must be a great sign that obviously you thought a lot of the club and, and the club a lot of you as well. Because you, when you left in two thousand and seven, you came back a couple of years later initially on loan, but then then spent another another season uh, really sort of contributing then as well. No, it's a really special club, you know. Um, the, the the fans. Um, the, the owners and the, the the board members have, have really sort of like you know 
it's, it's one of my uh, grounds. Every time I, I drive up to Adams Park, it's just a beautiful place to, to play football. It's got so much history um, with fantastic managers and players that have come through uh, and played uh, for the quarters. And, um, you know, they, they really sort of looked after me off the pitch um, in terms of like, was I settled? And, you know, that, that could they do anything for me, for my family? And you just feel feel a really family family connection and... Um, you know, when I was able to to make the decision to to sign in the first instance, because I I dropped a division. You probably remember I was playing in League One um, with Oldham, and um, you know, to make the commitment to to, league, to sign for League Two, it had to be something really special. And I touched on the the football aspect, um, which John uh, um, explained to me and, and Steve Brown, uh, and then obviously other aspects in terms of you know what was the what was the players like, what was the environment like. Um, you know, it was a really fantastic club. It was a the training base and how the club was run was probably like a, um, a championship club, but playing in League Two. This is the best way I can describe it. Um, and then obviously I was sold to um, Bristol City in January, one of the years. Um, and then um, I came back um, under Peter Taylor first. Um, and then obviously came back and signed um, permanently under Gary Waddock. And we got promotion from League Two uh, for that period as well. So all fond memories and really, really special club and special people. That must be really exciting to be involved in that promotion campaign as well, and especially to see where the club are now. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, I was um, part of the squad that, that I only signed on loan um, for about three, four months, and I was part of the squad that we were relegated from League One. And then, obviously, um, I stayed and, and helped the team, you know, get back promotion um, under Gary Waddock. And um, you know, we did we did ever so well. And um, he, he was a he was a really good manager. And, uh, you know, the club were, was, was doing some really good things off the pitch. We were playing some really good football. And, you know, as I said before, a really special time to appreciate, you know, the, the football time in sort of like the, t- the twilight ends of my career, really. It was nice. Are there any particular, obviously we spoke about the Chelsea game, but are there any other particular matches or, or goals that particularly stand out from, from either, either of your spells there? Um, oh, God, good question. Um, I think um, the Derby games are always great. You know, the Oxford games um, um, and obviously the MK Don games was, was, was big games in the local derbies for the, for the people of Wickham supporters. Um, I managed to score in both of those fixtures, uh, Oxford at home, Oxford away. Um, I think I scored a last minute winner at MK Don's um, in, a, in a win. Um, so there were some, some really good moments where, um, you know, it was it was a special time. But I think myself personally I think I scored a hat-trick away it was my first league hat-trick away at Mansfield in League Two that was a really good uh, good performance but I think really as a, in the team aspect I think um, you know those performances where where the team was flying high in, in League Two in, in the top ends of the league and playing really good football and then in and obviously the cup runs that we were able to go on as a group of people that was that would long live in the memory and won't no one will be able to take those special moments away from us as a collective. And um, as I said, we're, we're all we're all different people at different stages in our life, but we, we've come together at a real point in time to to make something special for the for the community of Wickham. And really nice after you're playing as well that you got to got to do some some coaching. And you sort of touched on at the beginning that you've been scouting for England, which people may not may may not have heard that correctly. They're scouting for England. This is very impressive. But you're, you're really heavily involved with the, the youngsters and, and currently the under 18s manager. Yeah, that's right. I've been. I was really lucky um, when I was still playing at Wickham. I think I was uh, twenty seven, twenty eight, and um, I was. Um, I actually started my coaching coaching badges while I was still playing. Um, I really wanted to 
to have a, a sort of like dedication to the craft and respect the the trade really as a, as a coach you're a teacher it's a different different thing than playing and I, I did my badges while I was still playing and um, Wickham was a club that allowed me to to work full-time at Fulham in the academy with the young players and um, and developing those young players and, and then I was really fortunate to to get um, asked to, to lead um, the, the England under-15s national team. Uh, so I took that role on. I left Fulham. This was probably five years ago now. And then um, I was been working with the national team for the last, you know, four and a half years, um, doing the 16s, 17s, 18s, and where with some fantastic players that the, the academies are developing. And, yeah, it's a really fortunate role. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of the proudest things that you can ever imagine to represent your country and, you know, in, in the highest level of, of, of coaching. It must be so exciting as well to kind of nurture, if you like, and spot talent coming through that, that in not too distant future will be seen in the senior squad, I expect. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a really special thing, you know, um, working with young people and trying to help them uh, and achieve their goals is, is, is a special time. And, um, you know, sometimes they don't all make it in, in football, but if you're able to develop them a little bit as, as people, that, that's also very special. And, you know, it's, there's nothing more of them than a young, than someone young to aspire their dreams. And that's what it's all about. It's, you know, it's, it's not about, you know, receiving rewards or getting accolades. I, I feel that um, youth development and it is the essence of it is to really to make, um, you know, young players, people's um, dreams and their aspiration become reality. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a great time. I think even in the, some of the players that we have within the England national team are fantastic. And I've been really fortunate to work with some top, top players. Funny enough, in the Wickham team that you have, so this is that's how I'm saying about how old I am these days. So some of my first, under 12, 11, I, I worked with um, Dennis Adenirin. He's on loan from Everton. Yes. So he was 11 or 12 when I first worked with Dennis. When De- I worked with him for about three, four years at Fulham. And then we, the Fulham sold him to, to Everton when he was um, 16, 17. Now he's on lunch. It's great to see him in your team. Anis Mamete was a young one at, at, at Fulham. I think I worked with him for two or three years and he's a really exciting young player. And uh, oh, He's still young, though, so hopefully that won't make you feel too old. Great. <laughs> doing very well. Um, and Ibera Iza as well, another one, 11 and 12. We worked, I worked with him at Fulham for three or four years and uh, it's great to see him go on and do wonderful things. And just on a Wick- Wiccan perspective, that's a good example of two or three that um, I was, it shows my age. <laughs> no, definitely. It's so, it's so nice, isn't it? You mentioned Iza as well. When he was on loan at Wickham, it was so great to see him. And as you say, so great to see him doing well now. And, and Wickham seemed to have attracted, you know, especially loan players who, who've done so well and then, and then gone on to sort of greater things. It's really nice that the, the loan market works in that way. Yeah, you know, it's um, um, Gareth and um, and Richard Dobson have done a fantastic job, um, not just um, on, on the pitch, but also in their recruitment and, and their selection of players. And, you know, they're very careful in the players that they look to, to bring into the club in terms of their character and the background. But, um, you know, Wickham, it, it always has been and always should be a, a club that is able to nurture their own talent. And they've done that in numerous um, examples in the past but also um, help other players from other top clubs to, to get game time. And, and, but this would also improve Wickham's team and, and themselves and because, you know, good loans can be a, a really um, improve the development of your own squad. And, you know, you've seen so many examples of that with, with really good loan players that the, the club have had in the, in the past. And it must be a real sense of pride for yourself as well that you've been in, involved with a team which has now, you know, gone on to do so well. Yeah, no, without a doubt. As I said before, you know, there was the real mixtures of ages. You know, you had the veteran veterans in, you know, Tommy Mooney and Rob Lee, who were 
you know, the sort of like shining examples of, of professionalism and attitude and, and, and how to set the example. And then we had the young bucks coming through with, you know, Russell Martin wasn't a, a, a regular starter because he was up, Danny Sender was in front of him, but he was a, a player that was, he had a real f- hunger for development in himself. He would, he would give 100% in everything that he did the extras that he did off the pitch was was outstanding. Same with Mike Williamson that they brought from um, Southampton, who was not involved in the first team initially. Then Roger Johnson, um, Will Antwi was underneath. Then you had um, um, another good player, Will Antwi. Then you had um, Clint Easton at left back, you know, played in, in a high level, but really good technical footballer. It was probably really underrated, but real good quality in possession and, yeah, and Stefan Oaks in midfield, you know, technically outstanding player, probably one of the best um, left-footed players I've ever I've ever come across. You know, this is I'm talking about some players that I've played with and coached who are left-footed, and the way the way um, Stefan um, hits the football was unbelievable. So, yeah, and it's great to see those players go on. Rob, Rob played in Premier League. Roger Johnson played in, in the Premier League for Birmingham. Mike Williamson for Newcastle. Russell with Norwich. Nathan Tyson went on to a fantastic career. Jermaine Easter played in the Premier League. So there's so many examples. I've missed so many other players out and I apologise for that. But, um, you know, I'm getting old and sometimes my memory can fail. But, um, yeah, it's definitely some some real... It, that's, that's, that's the thing. It's really special to see those people go on. And not just the ones that were went on to other other things in terms of football, but players that were in, were squad, were in the squad but went on to fantastic things in their life. Um, whether it's in business or in other things. And, and that's that's also great to see and, and, and catch up with people sometimes and see how they're doing. Really fantastic to speak to uh, Kevin and Betsy and uh, my thanks, of course, uh, as always, to JDT and Alan at the Ex-Players Association. We'll have more Ex-Player-ness uh, next week. 90s striker Kim Casey will be here we'll hearing from him. Oh, exciting. I've given uh, it away. I was very impressed, considering that the, the Kevin was in the middle of homeschooling. He didn't sound, you know, frazzled at all. No, exactly. Nice that he, he defers the uh, the maths and science questions to his wife as well. Yes, yeah, very, very wise. <laughs> that's, that's, that, I'm sure that's something that many many a parent can relate to. Oh, oh, absolutely, yes. Uh, still to come on the Wicked Wonder Show, uh, we will be hearing from the Chief Finance Officer at the club, Pete Kuhig, ahead of the game against Tottenham Hotspur on Monday. Yes, in fact, we'll, we'll do that now, shall we? Uh, indeed, we can, yes. <laughs> let's, let's do it now. Um, so, yeah, fantastic to hear from Pete, obviously. Um, with There seems to be quite a lot sort of going on at the club, as, as we'll hear in a few moments' time. Um, Bob spoke to him earlier on today. Uh, there's obviously the uh, the vaccination centre as well. There's, there's that. Uh, but there's also the, the dealing of the coronavirus outbreak this week and, and the build-up to the Tottenham game as well. Indeed, yes. Uh, and uh, I started off by asking him, with regards to the COVID outbreak uh, in the club, uh, what was happening with regards to that? The doctors recommended we go into a circuit breaker at the training ground last week. Uh, the last time the guys were together was, I think, last Tuesday, uh, which training got cancelled that day as well. And everybody went into self-isolation until uh, today. And the boys are did rounds of testing this morning. We had the uh, lateral tested testing, which provided instant results, as well as the league testing, which we sent in. So we'll hear about that later. Boys train today. Uh, so everybody's really excited uh, to get the Spurs match Monday night, for sure. And and that's definitely going ahead. That's 100% confirmed. Well, is anything 100% sure nowadays, though? <laughs> okay. 99%. <laughs> 
What's that? Yeah, uh, no, um, we fully expected uh, we fully expect to to be able to play Monday night. Early results were were extremely good. Excellent, fantastic. Well, that you know that's that's really good news for everyone, and I would imagine for the club as well, particularly because the game's going to be live on TV. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, it's a crazy world we're dealing with um, nowadays. Uh, it seems like something uh, new happens every day that we have to deal with, and this is just um, one of those hiccups that we're going to have to overcome. Definitely taking it as a learning experience, um, and you know, our, our you know one of the surprising things was is that we take it so seriously at the training ground. We've done everything we can that it's just one of those additional warnings that uh, it's out there and it's about very heavy right now. And our boys, uh, everybody involved in the club needs to take as great a precaution as we can because uh, we need to get all these fixtures played for sure. Yeah, absolutely, and. I know that we, we've had a ridiculous schedule in the, the first half of the season. Clearly, going into the second half, things looked a little bit like they, they will probably be a bit easier. But obviously, the more games that are postponed, the, you know, the, the more hectic it's going to be towards the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. Um, we've already uh, rescheduled both of these matches, adding two more weeks where we've got double game weeks. You know, and Once we beat Spurs on Monday night, we're going to have to deal with extra matches in the FA Cup as well. So that's really, really exciting. Uh, you know, I, I, I know how much that you love the FA Cup. We could all see that from your reaction to the draw. Uh, it, it almost it couldn't be, be more perfect, really, could it? Jose Mourinho coming to, to Adams Park. No, it's, uh, it's really one of the phenomenal uh, components of, of going in automatically in the third round and having such a great match against Preston and moving on to the fourth round is that the possibilities of who you could draw are... Uh, you know, you could get Chorley or you could get Tottenham Hotspurs or you could get Manchester United or you could get Liverpool or you could get Cheltenham. FA Cup is really amazing. And, uh, you know, I know the boys are, are really excited to play Spurs on Monday night. You know, I think Tottenham might be one of the uh, second most favorite clubs around Wickham for sure. I know we get a lot of Arsenal fans as well, but everywhere I go, I see a lot of Spurs stuff. And I know some of the guys on my Sunday league team support them. So it's uh, always nice to get one of the big boys, especially at home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and with a manager who is so well known as well, and, and clearly the players, you know, we Harry Kane's in there, uh, Gareth Bale, you've got Son there, they, they have an amazing amount of talent. It's going to be wonderful for our, our boys to actually be able to, to play them at Adams Park and, and I would think give them a bit of a surprise. No doubt, and I'm really glad we're on uh, BT Sport. Hopefully as many people will be able to see it as possible. I know that makes it a little bit tougher because you say that, you know, it is going to be Josie, it is going to be Son, it is going to be Harry Kane, you know, some one of the one of the best managers in the world and one of the best teams in the world is going to be here. But, our you know, it's another reminder that our, our supporters won't be. So <laughs> it's a great draw, but it could be better for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, as we've said so many times this season, that that is the real sad thing about it. That that you know, it's amazing that we're in the championship. It's amazing that we've got Tottenham at home in the FA Cup. But you can't help but feel uh, that actually, you know, if this had happened during during a normal time, we would have sold Adams Park out. Goodness knows how many times over. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. That's one of the good things about having uh, the vaccination center here at Adams Park is that I get to see how many people get to roll in and out every day getting the vaccine. I know we're getting closer and closer and closer to, 
you know, I guess a new sense of normalcy because, uh, you know, I think <laughs> we're definitely going to ha- have to alter how we uh, live on the planet in order to hold this down, you know, on a, on a annual basis. Uh, you know, I, I just can't wait till we get a little bit more freedom and hopefully the vaccination uh, rollout is going to help us get there sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think that's one of the wonderful things as well that the club is doing. Uh, how, how are things going with regards to the vaccination centre? I know that you uh, had to, to jump you know, through a lot of hoops to get it, to get that. It's unbelievably smooth process. It's it's given a few of our stewards uh, a, a job as well, managing the car park, making sure people roll in and out under the COVID regulations. Um, doctors have been fantastic. Uh, it is really, you know, it's... I'm, I'm in the office down here and it really almost seems like it's I don't notice anything it's just been the smoothest process you could imagine yeah and I I think it's fantastic for the local community that, that you're doing that and I think it's it's great for the club it obviously is uh you know a very prominent reminder that you're there at a time when obviously there's not many people coming to the stadium Yes, it is. Uh, uh, you, you know, we've we've kind of joked. We wish we could make everybody lead through the shop, but um, we asked, and that's not allowed. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't imagine that it is. There, there, there's no deals going on there. I, I don't know for for the people who have the hundredth, two hundredth vaccine, they get a free ticket. There's nothing like that going on. <laughs> no, no, no. We can't clog up their lines. They got to they got to move as many people in and out of there as possible on a daily basis. Yeah, okay. That, that that's completely understandable. Uh with regards to to the 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 championship and the league form, uh, are you still completely confident that we will be in the championship next season? We are uh yeah, it's unbelievable the level of confidence that 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 is in the training ground. Um I know it sounds weird coming off of a COVID circuit breaker break uh over the last 10 days, but we are healthier than we have been at any stage of the season. You know, had a tremendous performance against Preston. And, you know, when you looked at the guys that were on the bench uh, and not even in the team sheet, it just goes to show how strong of a squad that we have and how deep we are. And if we can maintain health, you know, we have enough guys to be able to withstand enough quality players to be able to withstand two matches a week. And we really all feel like very confident that we can do this. We don't feel like there's, there's, we can beat anybody on the league on any given occasion. Um, and the boys are feeling very confident that the wins are going to start coming. Yeah, and I, I think the fact that they played so well against Preston, it was such a shame that that QPR game was postponed because it was a wonderful performance. Probably, you know, our, our best performance probably of the season so far. Yeah, it was absolutely gutting. Everybody, everybody was ready to go. Uh, and then once the positives started creeping up, um, it was, it was a situation where uh, you've heard Rob say it all year. You, you've heard, you've heard Garrett say it all year. The health of our players is an is our absolute concern, and to stay to see it spread a little bit in the squad uh, was very concerning. We were also because it was obviously in that three to five to seven day window where it's where it's most catching. Um, it wasn't just our own players' concern. It, we had a very real concern about spreading it to another team and so that played in our mind as well but really uh it wasn't even a decision made from my perspective or the gaffer's perspective we took medical advice on what sh- what we should do 
you know, regardless of the risk, as far as the EFL investigating, you know, us, every single postponement automatically generates an investigation. And we feel confident that we're going to be clean because we followed our doctor's advice and thought of the health and safety of our players and other players in the league, first and foremost. What about the the guidance from the EFL? Because I've spoken to Gareth about that before, and he did say that he was he felt that actually that there should be more guidance, so that actually you guys know what what to do in this circumstance. No, we had a championship call earlier this week, and and it was obviously a huge topic of discussion because it's difficult uh, because if there is guidance. It's not static. It doesn't stay the same rules and advice. And there's so much data that that is getting accumulated over time that um, obviously guidance will shift. But it's it's not as clear as 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 anyone would like. I'm trying to figure out how to say this as politely and. It's, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a frustrating process. Um, sure, it would be nice for somebody to tell you what to do, but um, there it, that just doesn't exist. And so, it's one of the reasons why we leaned so heavily on our on our team's medical uh, on our medical team's advice. And again, we we know how good that medical team is, so it must be fantastic to have those guys there. Yeah, you know, it was. Um, we take such precautions at the training ground and and in the um, red zone at the stadium that you know I was I was a little bit surprised that it happened to us. Uh, you know, because we also have the data on nine, ten months of testing. We know who has who's had it. We know who has the antibodies. Who doesn't? The more data that seems to be accumulated, you know, the more confusing that this uh, this virus actually seems to be. Sure. And and for you to be saying that, because we've heard you say before that you are a a stats nerd. Yeah, you know, the one thing that gives me comfort, uh, and I had this conversation with one of the guys that had it, is that uh, the statistics for athletes, there have been zero, I, I think there's been zero professional athletes that have died this year. The symptomatic percentages of of very healthy athletes seems to be much lower than the general populace. Um, so the statistics do give us uh, some confidence uh, in that 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 we're really the health and safety of our players is not being as compromised as it would be, you know, for uh, you know an 80 year old person with underlying health conditions. The interesting thing about the data is that it it really shows that there are some some very some some groups out there that are that are very at risk, and there are some groups out there that aren't nearly at, at, at risk. Um, you know, you're talking about young people, and and it's been, you know, I'm extremely happy that they are getting our most uh, our people who are most at risk um, vaccinated very quickly, so that. You know the young people that are that are given up year, a year of their lives uh, are able to get them back as 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 soon as possible. Sure, and as someone who's been very lucky to be in and around the the team and the club this season, I can very much vouch for the fact that you know I I, I think what what's been going on down at Adams Park has been so so safe. I felt very very secure there. Uh, similarly, you know, uh, unfortunately, I haven't been able to see you for about a month because uh, Matt then sent out a, a a message saying, you know, look, please only attend if you consider it absolutely vital that yeah. you come to the the ground. So so I haven't been there because of that. But as I say, every, yeah. every time. 
time I have been there, I, I think you guys have done the absolute utmost to ensure that actually everybody, not just the players, but the staff, uh, the stewards who yeah. are there and the press are completely safe. You know, over the last six months, uh, it's been the safest place. I, you know, this and the training ground is are, are this. Yeah, it's where I feel the safest. Um, you know, uh, even when we had a thousand or two thousand people, it was so well organized and it felt so safe. Um, but obviously, with you know the the winter um, acceleration uh, of of the virus this year, you know it's very easy to understand that decision with hindsight for sure. And I just hope we can get a handle on it as soon as possible. Sure, sure. Well, yes, we definitely all echo that. Uh, is there any suggestion at the moment from the EFL that football might be postponed? It, I'm, I'm guessing now not, because we we seem to have sort of almost reached the the peak of the 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 current wave. Fingers crossed, and football has continued. I think obviously it, it it's been fantastic, absolutely for the morale of everyone. But at the same time, I can hear Gareth saying, you know, football is is not the most important thing in in life. No, yeah, well, I can't speak for League One and League Two and their discussions, but at the championship level, everyone is seems to be uh, very committed to finishing the season. And, uh, yeah, um, no, I, 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 I just don't see it stop. And I think that because of the underlying statistics on how um, maybe it affects players, I think that's given everybody the more and more confidence that we should be able to finish the season, especially with the heightening of the protocols and hopefully, you know, the resultant benefits that that that, that brings. And nobody, no, none of the guys want to stop playing. Everybody wants to play. From a personal perspective, I when people talk about football stopping or sports starting stopping, honestly, you know, a year into this, uh, being able to watch games. Uh, at night, being able to just think about something, just think, just watch football really is, um, it's helping me mentally. I know it's tough for the home and away crew that are so used to going to matches. I know it's not the same watching it on TV, but at least it's there. It gives us all something to do while we're stuck at home in lockdown. So, you know, I just, I just, for, for the general population, the mental health component of it, I really hope we can figure out a way to just keep um, providing at least a little entertainment um, every day for for the people who are out there staying home and staying safe. Yeah, I completely echo that for my mental health. It's it, it's been absolutely a lifeline. It's been completely vital. So I'm very grateful that it's continuing. Uh, with regards to to the game, uh, then on Monday night, I'm assuming that Rob will be watching from from uh, Louisiana. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah, it's um, FA Cup matches. The, the midweek matches are, are, are a lot of fun in the U.S. Um, because, you know, we're six hours ahead of them. So you're talking about all the soccer pubs and bars opening up at around 2 o'clock and everybody kind of ducking out of work for big matches. And and uh, it generally leads to some fun nights at places like Finn McCool's in New Orleans. I can promise you that. Uh, and so have you got a prediction for Monday night? Yeah, I do. Uh, I actually do think we're going to pull it off. Um, I'm going to uh, score wise. Uh, the thing that popped up into my head was two uh, one, but I'm just I'm I'm actually confident we're going to win. I, I I don't know why. Probably because I'm a delusional optimist. But you know they they've got a tough little spot. They've got Liverpool three days later. I know Josie loves a cup run, 
Um, so he's certainly going to throw out a, a quality squad at, squad at us and, and, and want to win the match. But uh, it is at Adams Park, and uh, I know our boys are going to be pumped up to uh, continue the FA Cup run this year for sure. And and there's some revenge that is that is due. Uh, we really took it two Spurs last time, and I know uh, a couple of the guys want to finish the job this time. Really looking forward to the game on Monday, and of course, if you don't get to watch it, you'll be able to hear uh, updates from uh, our very own Bob. Indeed, yes. Uh, I saw. I shall be bringing uh, the team news uh, an hour before, so at about quarter to uh, seven, uh, and then we will have uh, goal updates. Uh, we will have half-time and full-time reports as well from the game against Tottenham on Monday, which kicks off, of course, at seven forty-five. If you did miss the show, there's a podcast uh, version available, so uh, do tune into that. It's available on Spotify, iTunes, and join us next week. We'll be chatting to former striker Kim Casey here at Wickham Sound.